And so yeah, if you want to talk true. about like NASA <laughs> and then transfer yeah. into, so there's a musician. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how I'd uh, make that smooth transition. <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll just if I can't make it smooth I'll just make it as jarring as possible. <laughs> just make it as jarring as possible. Okay, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I think that should be. Should... This is that means nothing to me. A podcast about incredibly specific accomplishments. I'm your host Trey Taylor. Welcome to the show. I'm Parker, and I am going to my fourth year at Georgia Tech. I am an applied physics major and a music tech minor. So I'm definitely proud of um, what I've been studying these last three years, which is physics as an undergrad. I feel like it's taught me like a very fundamental skill, and the skill is like how to solve problems, because a lot of what you learn, it's not so much about the content itself, it's learning how to um, go through the process of not knowing anything to being able to sort of work with the concepts you're given. Like it's very much, I think, a degree in problem solving because you'll probably never do just like raw physics. You probably just never, you know, you're never going to derive the Maxwell's equations ever again in your life, but it's about learning how to speak the language of mathematics. I think that's a way you can characterize like what I've been studying the last three years is I've really just been learning how to learn stuff, which in a sense is all of academia, but I think that's just like heightened when you're studying physics. The process that you go of becoming fluent in the language of mathematics is something that like sticks with you. And like, I, yeah, I, I think that I've sort of gotten like a masterclass in how to solve problems. And I'm definitely proud of that. What exactly is applied physics as opposed to just physics? Yeah, so applied physics, um, there is a normal, just plain physics major at Tech. That's Georgia Tech or the Georgia Institute of Technology up in Atlanta. Um, they're very similar as you can imagine. Applied physics basically just means that you have sort of more of an eye towards working in industry rather than working in academia. Um, you take just a few classes that are different, like the normal applied or the normal physics major takes uh, basically are just more um, prepared to go into academia. So like grad school, PhD, become a professor, whereas the applied physics major um, prepares you more for like industry, whatever that looks like for you. The applied physics majors take two classes that are different. Um, we take computational physics and electronics too, whereas um, the regular physics majors take uh, quantum two and statistical mechanics. We both have to take electronics one and quantum one, um, but it's just those higher level classes that differ a little bit between the two majors. It's just what it prepares you for. They're obviously very similar though. And what goes into a class that has quantum in the title? <laughs> yeah, it seems like really, I, that class really scared me when I first got into it because I'm like, I'm out here like doing quantum mechanics. That sounds, it sounds very fancy and it is very intimidating, but the class is very cool. It's probably one of my favorite classes I took at Tech 
just because I was so massively intimidated by it, but the information was presented in such a way that made it so within reach. Um, I actually learned that most of what we did in Quantum 1 didn't require any kind of like fancy calculus. Like we had been taking calculus classes, I mean, like, you know, and they were very difficult. Um, but when it came to doing Quantum 1, you needed like a little bit of linear algebra and mostly just normal algebra. Like the mathematics behind it were so simple that it was almost like very deceiving. I mean, the language of quantum mechanics is fundamentally different than any other thing I've studied because it is linear algebra based and not really calculus based. Don't get me wrong, there's lots of calculus in it. But just the way it was presented was so interesting. I don't know, it, like, like I said, it was very daunting at the beginning, but I don't know, it was a really fun class. <laughs> It literally means nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> like even even with a full explanation, you have my undivided attention. I yeah. have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, and I wish I was better at communicating. Some of the best communicators are able to make like my quantum professor, he could explain this to you in a way that you would just be like, Oh my god, I get it. Like you would understand quantum mechanics, which is crazy because it feels like you can't, but you can because I didn't, and then I did. <laughs> You're in your fourth year, right? Yeah. What, what are you hoping to do with your degree? Mm, interesting. Yeah, so I mean, that's like on my mind a lot, obviously, because employment is important, <laughs> apparently, according to, I don't know, capitalism. <laughs> I'm looking toward a couple of different sort of areas, like aerospace is really interesting to me. So like doing research for NASA about like, and, you know, something having to do with like human life in space that would just like be awesome. Um, I'm also looking at like silicon manufacturing plants. And I did a bit of research sort of in that area in like semiconductors in high school. And that was really interesting. Um, clean energy, maybe. To, to be honest, I, I have a very like broad sense of what I want to be doing in that like it, it's not something that applies to like a specific field but I want to work in uh, solving problems that will make people's lives better and I want to work with a team of like curious individuals I want to work with kind individuals people who are interested in knowing things yeah I really have no idea it's a long way of saying that but you know, like the Dunning-Kruger effect, where it's oh. like, there's like a graph. Okay, well, it's like... Um, <laughs> this means nothing to me. <laughs> okay, well, it's the opposite of the imposter syndrome. It's like people who think they know a lot, but they oh. actually don't know anything. It's like when you don't know a lot. I'm in like the butter zone where it's like, I know enough to know that I know nothing. That is like, I've done the undergrad curriculum of a physics major. And like, knowing that, I'm like, I literally know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what is the majority of your class gonna use their degree for physics majors go into such a wide variety of fields that you almost can't characterize just like one thing that people do i mean i think the greatest percentage like if you were to look at like a pie chart of what physics majors do i think the largest slice of that pie would probably be academia like they go on to get a master's get a phd go do research for some institution and then after that sort of large slice of the pie, it's like a bunch of little tiny ones. A lot of people go to med school, believe it or not, physics majors are very successful in medical school. 
for why they decide to study physics in undergrad, I really don't know. And then some people don't do things related to physics at all, which I think is really funny. And something that's weirdly attracted to me, like attracted me to the field in the first place, because all the people that I knew in my life that studied physics were very eccentric and very interesting people. Like my, my high school physics teacher, he actually, he studied physics at uh, Georgia Tech. And then he coached the, I don't remember what year, but the Guatemalan national archery team for a while. Okay. And then he worked for NASA for like 10 years. And then he was like, eh, I think I want to just get my pilot's license and just fly around the world for a while. And then he did that. I don't know. And like my mentor who I worked for at UCF, like he was also a very interesting person. He like published a bunch of fiction books in Spanish. I don't know, just very eccentric people choose to study physics. And I was like, maybe if I get close to those people, I will be interesting too. <laughs> I think that was also part of my like subconscious logic. So your major is applied physics. Your minor was music technology. What got you into that? Um, so I've always been interested in music. I mean, we know each other because we used to play in the church band, like all of the cool kids <laughs> In the did. worship band. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always played. I, I started playing piano when I was really little. Um, and then I picked up the guitar when I was in like middle school, high school. And then I've been singing since around that time too. So when I came to college, I was very like intentional about not losing that part of myself because I knew that if I didn't put intentional effort into it, it probably would be lost because I'm going to a tech school and everyone kind of says like, oh yeah, there's people, there's people, creative people everywhere, which is true, but the culture of tech is definitely not, you know, it's not so that you could just do nothing and your creative influence would just kind of flow. You have to like put effort into it which is good. Right, I think that right. like makes the creative process thrive. But anyway, I was intentional about putting effort into, um, into that side of me. And so I decided to make it part of my like formal curriculum, half because I wanted the formal curriculum, like I wanted to actually take those classes, and then half because I wanted to be around those people. Um, because kids who go to Georgia Tech and major in music technology are really interesting people I came to learn. like. It's like half tech people who want to learn how to like make amps and like make these crazy instruments. And then it's half these like super like indie girl vibes who just want to like be an audio engineer. Sure. And both of those both of those groups of people are so cool and I wanted to associate with them. And so I started, yeah, taking music technology classes. I took, um, you know, just Audio Tech 1, which is sort of an introduction to like digital signal processing. And I had to take a couple of music theory classes. Um, I took uh, mixing and recording in one of the like studios at Tech over the summer, which was really fun. Um, but yeah, sort of, a, sort of a technical and social component went into me deciding to become a music tech minor. What would you like to use your music degree for? Yeah, so it's very different, like, from my physics major, because, like, in a sense, I don't really want to go anywhere with it. It's just, like, my hobby. It's what I love to do, and I didn't study it so that I can, like, 
make money. I sort of just studied it because I love doing it. I like make music in my free time and I really just like want it to sound good. And so like I was picking up skills from the music tech department. Like I really just want it to sound like the artists that I listen to, you know? And who are you listening to? What's your biggest musical influences? So, I mean, by far my biggest musical influence is this amazing artist, Sufjan Stevens. Sufjan Stevens, wait. Sufjan. 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 I started listening to him when I was in high school. It, there's a lot to listen to. He's got like 16 studio albums and like a, a large number of EPs he has out. But I don't know. I've just sort of gone through a musical journey over the last like five or six years of listening to his albums. And yeah, I it's it's inspired me to want to make music like that. The way that I listen to music is I I listen to maybe not a lot of artists, but the artists that I do listen to, I like go in really deep. Like when I listen to an artist, I like know everything about like them, their family, like what all their albums are about, <laughs> like to a weird degree. It is weird how much I know about the music artists that I listen to. I like him because he's, he's a very eccentric person in a way that sort of reminds me of like what people who study physics are like like he really just does whatever he wants all the time so like an example of this would be that his albums fall under so many genres it's hard to name all of them he has like a pure just like folk americana album Sufjan Stevens presents greetings from Michigan the Great Lakes State he has like a new age experimental album Aporia which is actually produced by his stepfather Lowell he has an electronic album. The Age of Odds. He has an orchestral album. Run, Rabbit, Run, which is actually an orchestral reimagining of his other album from 2004, Enjoy Your Rabbit. He has an album that's just a piano solo of like classical piano that he wrote. The Decalogue. And he has, he's part of a rap collective. It's called Sisyphus. Like he, he truly just does whatever he wants. Like, so that's sort of what I like about his musical sense. I also just like his sort of affect as a person. He has a very interesting like spiritual sense as well. And like that comes through in his writing in a way that's hard to explain. But yeah, just his, his demeanor is very like calm and wise. And he, I think is just a brilliant lyricist and composer. I did ask Parker what her favorite album was and and this section has been mostly edited for time there because like i said there's like 16 of them i think my number one album of, well actually let me start at number three because that's more exciting well like build up to it. um my third favorite album of his is called age of oz so age of oz is an electronic album and it sort of represents a shift in what he had been writing because before really he had been writing um, a lot of that indicative electronic music but a lot of just like sort of classic instruments um it's like the, the album is like the definition of mania it's really all over the place there's songs like that change, probably every 10 seconds like, it's brilliantly composed 
but it's also a weirdly tender album, which you wouldn't really expect from this like manic explosion of noise. Um, the, the first track on it is Futile Devices. Like, words and it's futile devices. About... So it's like very tender and also just like a beautiful train wreck of noise. That's my third favorite album. <laughs> Her number one favorite album, however, is actually one that I'm fairly familiar with. That's a 2015 album by the name of Carrie and Lowell. Carrie and Lowell is like the most stripped down album that you basically could possibly get. Like it's basically just him and a like a finger picked guitar. Very intimate and sort of lonely sounding. It's about the death of his mother, who he had a very complicated relationship with. She suffered from depression, schizophrenia, substance abuse, and abandoned him when he was a young kid. And then he found out that she was dying basically right before she died and like had just a short amount of time with her to like reconcile. And the album is about that experience. Like every time he writes about Carrie Lowell, he was like, it was very unpleasant to write, as you can imagine. It was very, it was very tough to do. And like that, that comes through. It's, it's difficult to talk about music that hits you emotionally because it's, it's ineffable. If you can't, you can't talk about it. You just have to feel it. But like Carrie and Lowell represents, if Age of Oz is mania, then Carrie and Lowell is grief. How does physics impact music? Well, I, I mean, I've been asked it a bunch of times, but it does have, I, I have an answer like, because that's something that people wonder, you know? In that way, I think it's a good question. Uh, if you're just looking at the substance of the thing, like, it doesn't. I think people always want, like, a very, because people ask me this, um, I think people want, like, an analytical answer. You know, it's like, well, when you look at harmonics and frequencies, like, that physics and it's music, like, harmony is, like, and you can characterize it like that, but I think it's kind of boring. I think more, the more fundamental answer there is that, like, the sensibilities um, that make a good physicist and make a good musician are the same. It's both, like, a driving need to uh, understand and experience. I think, like, physics is more of the understanding side and music is the more experiential side. And those are sort of, I think you could say those are the two sides of life. And so it's, like... I think it both comes from a need to like experience life in a very deep way. Both very interesting people, both musicians and physicists. These are people that I want to be like, people that I want to surround myself with. Like when people see me, they'll be like, is she crazy or is she enlightened? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I guess I could say I'm proud of what I study. Um, I'm proud of the way in which I can like approach the world from an intellectual framework. And I'm proud of how I can approach it like from an emotional framework and like intellectually that's through physics. So I think emotionally that's through music. And I'm proud of the ways in which I can sort of execute deep learning in either one. So it's weird how much I know about Sufjan Stevens, but I think that helps me process his music on a deeper level and it's I guess not societally as weird how much I know about physics which is in the scheme of things not very much but I do know a fair amount um but that also helps me process the world um and I think uh, if you were to take like that level of pride and that's like a mid-level 
if you just went, went like a million times above that level of pride and then multiplied a thousand again, that's how proud I am that Marzuki Stevens followed me on Instagram. Marzuki is Sufyan's brother. Names like that run in the family, I guess. You take all the physics knowledge and that's like, fine, it's whatever. It's, who cares? Marzuki Stevens follows me on Instagram. If that's the one thing you get out of this episode, I need that to be it, you know? Do you remember when Parker said, I like make music in my free time? Well, she does. And she actually made all the music in this episode. Huge thanks to her for producing and mixing those tracks and sending them over to me. The only track she did not make was the cover of Should Have Known Better off of the album Carrie and Lowell that I used when Parker and I were talking about it. It's by the incredibly talented Alex Mace Guitar on YouTube. I'll have a link to his channel in the show notes. I actually wanted to leave you with a little bit of Sufyan's music. This is a live recording taken in 2007 for the Music Now Festival on the roof of a hotel in Ohio in the dead of winter. Okay. He was, he was, okay. He was. Multiple times during our interview, Parker used the word ineffable to describe how she felt when she listened to Sufjan's music. When your whole life revolves around the study of problems and problem solving and things that don't make sense, Maybe it's okay that some things just are ineffable. <laughs> it's too windy. Oh, wow, fuck! Oh, hey! Let's go Wait, back it's inside. It's too cold. No, no, no. Let's do that. Huh? It's too cold! This has been That Means Nothing to Me. Thank you for listening. Look for me.
Nothing's Nothing to Me is a podcast hosted by me, Trey Taylor. Audio editing is done in Audacity Suite 2.3.0, and we're recorded on a Yeti Blackout omnidirectional mic. All of our music credits for this episode can be found on the show notes, wherever it is you are listening to this. Special thanks go to Parker Coy, La Blagothique, Alex Bass Guitar on YouTube, and everyone else who I suddenly asked if they like podcasts or not, and if so, I have a cool one they can listen to. We're still working the formatting, length, and overall vibe of the show, so if you have any questions, comments, or you just want to let me know what you thought, please feel free to shoot me a message at contact at thatmeansnothing.com. You can also be found on all social media at thatmeanszero, the number zero. Thanks for listening. of Canada.